the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Throw away the key. You know, one of the big issues out there on the campaign trail and on the debates uh, for the Democrats is prison reform. And if you only pay half attention, you might get the idea that prisons are overrun with people, mostly men, of course, who either shouldn't be there at all or have been in their way too long and deserve a second chance. And by the way, just for the record, I've never bought into that uh, second chance idea because, you know, that everybody deserves one because that would include Hitler and Charles Manson. Some people don't deserve a second chance. There's plenty of evidence to show that most of the people who are in prison belong there. And some of them are getting out too soon. You'll be surprised to hear how how quickly some people get out and, and what they're in there for. And they're not spending enough time in there. When we come back, we're going to talk to a guy who's done the research. He has the numbers. And you're going to find out that the people who will be affected most by emptying out the prisons are the people living in mostly black neighborhoods. Stick around. We'll be right back. Walking through a party in the county jail. A couple of weeks ago, we had Rocky Blyer here to talk about his work with Miracle League in Moon Township. Fields for athletes with special needs. Jim Leland, the Pirates' former manager, is also involved in that project. Jim, thanks for being here. Great to be here, John. Great to talk to you. Tell me about the Miracle League of Moon Township. It's just a great thing for these kids, and it's a wonderful opportunity for people to participate. Some people are a little less fortunate than others, and I think it's just a great opportunity for people to volunteer and to help out and put a smile on somebody's face. I've seen the field that they put out in Upper St. Clair. It's amazing. Oh, it's unbelievable the way they construct these things they have the ramps and everything for the kids it takes a little stress off the parents i think it's what pittsburgh's all about it's just a great thing it'll serve montour west allegheny moon sewickley weirton steubenville beaver county and surrounding communities approximately 100 to 200 children will be eligible to participate and it'll also serve adults with special needs so it's a great cause and if you'd like to see how you can help maybe donate some money check it out at miraclesinmoon.org miraclesinmoon.org we'll be right back Warning. Property protected by electric fence. Sharks sighted in water. Warnings are truly handy. Bridge out. But you may not always get a warning when it comes to threats to your identity or the personal information on your devices. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection includes Norton Security for even more protection. LifeLock uses proprietary technology to help detect identity threats, like your personal info for sale on the dark web. And Norton Security protects up to five devices from ransomware and other online threats. Plus, if you have a problem, our agents will work to fix it. Of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or cybercrime or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but having someone looking out for you... Warning, Minefield Ahead will help keep you out of danger. Join now and get 10% off your first year. Go to lifelock.com and enter promo code TITTLE. That's promo code TITTLE for 10% off. Lifelock with Norton. More detection more protection. Recent storms have done a number on Pittsburgh homes and businesses. This is John Steigerwald. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. All you have to do is visit windowsruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and, of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. Why pay twice as much with other companies? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsruspittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday right here on the John Steigerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? 
then call me, Attorney Dennis Spira, at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. This experience has provided me with the unique knowledge to assess and draft a plan of recovery for your financial problems. I can stop home foreclosures, repossessions, creditor lawsuits, and tax collection. Reorganize and get a fresh start. I have numerous office locations in the Pittsburgh area. Call and schedule your free consultation today at 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. Don't delay. Call 412-471-7675. That's 412-471-7675. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, if you made the unfortunate decision to uh, pay attention to the Democratic debates or what they've been saying out there on the campaign trail, you know that prison reform is a popular topic out there. It's a good way to pander to black voters, which seems to be the number one goal. Uh, and that means letting lots of guys out of prison, and it's a bad idea. Rafael Mongual, Deputy Director of Legal Policy at the Manhattan Institute, has numbers to prove it, and he joins us now. Rafael, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So the headline of your piece is uh, Everything You Don't Know About Incarceration. So what's the first thing I should know that I probably don't know or wouldn't know if I hadn't read your piece? Uh, well, the, the, one of the main things that you wouldn't know, and unfortunately that a lot of uh, the American public still believes, um, is that the United States is suffering from an over-incarceration problem, um, which is to say that we have too many people in prison than we should, and that that problem is driven in significant part by an unjust and racist drug war. Um, and unfortunately, that's just not true. When you look at the data, it's very clear that our our incarcerated population is significantly driven by serious repeat violent offenders who Americans really should want out of their communities and behind bars. And so, um, I'm, re- I'm re- reading your piece. It's I, I mean, you did a great job of research, and there's some great numbers in there. But uh, and I don't want to diminish what you did, but it, it shouldn't be that hard for politicians whose job it is to understand this stuff before they make the proposals they do. It shouldn't have been that hard for them to figure this out, should it? No, it really shouldn't be. And that, that's why, you know, this debate has been particularly frustrating for me. Um, and, you know, really, it, it's even more frustrating when you realize that it goes back even further into history to when I was a toddler. I mean, I was just watching a uh, an old debate hosted by William F. Buckley on firing line about criminal justice policy in 1994, and people were still making the same arguments that uh, that we hear today. Um, you know, it, it, I, I'm not exactly sure what else we can do other than continue to, you know, promote, um, you know, the right kind of research that, that shows what the reality is um, to counteract that. But, you know, my hope is that this piece can, can help do some of that. You could say that uh, President Trump has taken the lead on this issue, uh, issue um, with the First Step Act, right? And are Republicans yeah. on board with this uh, and and with a mistaken um, expectation or expect and a mistaken uh, uh, without having a grasp of what's going on, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I think it's very uh, true that the misunderstanding here is uh, bipartisan in nature. Um, you know, uh, President Trump has been very critical of, for example, Joe Biden for his role in the 1994 um, omnibus crime bill and, you know, hit him for, for contributing to, quote, mass incarceration. And then you have, you know, unanimity on on the Democrat side for in, among the presidential candidates, you know, basically saying the same thing. You know, to his credit, the First Step Act is a little bit more of a controlled experiment, which is to say that it only, you know, applies to a small portion of the federal population, which is only about 10 percent to 12 percent of the uh, of the overall nation's prison population, which is another thing that people don't really realize. A lot of these politicians, Cory Booker, for example, make a lot of hay about how much the federal prison population is driven uh, by drug offenders. I think about 47 percent of federal prisoners are in for a drug offense. But what they leave out of their uh, commentary is that the federal prison population is only about 10 to 12 percent of the national prison population. Most people who are behind bars in this country 
are in, in state prisons because criminal justice is usually a, a state-based, uh, you know, phenomenon. And when you look at state prisons, you've got less than 15% of those prisoners serving time primarily for a drug offense. And meanwhile, 60% of prisoners are in for one of the most five serious offenses, which are murder, rape, slash sexual assault, robbery, aggravated and simple assault, and burglary. Sounds like and people add, who should stay there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, and they should stay there both because they're a danger to their communities when they're out, right? We know that we have incapacitation benefits gained by the incarceration of of dangerous individuals. And that incapacitation benefit, I think, is evidenced by, you know, the data that come out of high crime cities like Baltimore and Chicago, where something like 90 percent of of murderers and shooters have, you know, a prior record. I mean, in Chicago, the average number of prior arrests for someone uh, convicted of either murder or a shooting in 2015 and 16 was 12. Wait, say that again. Um, the average number of prior arrests for people convicted in Chicago of either murder or a shooting mm-hmm. between 2015 and 16 was 12, 12 prior arrests. Wow. Um, you know, so we, we know that it's dangerous to leave repeat and dangerous offenders out on the street. Um, and unfortunately, the rhetoric just promotes this, especially in the drug context, too. I mean, you know, look, I think there are there's a real strong philosophical case that you can make in opposition to drug criminalization. But the public policy case is different from the philosophical one. And you can't ignore the reality that there's a significant overlap between drug offenders and violent offenders in Baltimore. 70% of homicide suspects identified by police in 2017 had a prior arrest history for drugs. Uh, And and of state prisoners who are in primarily for drugs, when they get released, 77% of them go on to get rearrested for a non-drug crime. So the idea that, you know, the so-called non-violent drug offender is a real thing and not a myth is just, you know, not really rooted in reality. It's kind of like saying that uh, Al Capone's boys were, you know, just bootleggers. You that's know, right. That's, that's what they right. did. They were. They were. They might have been doing that, but if somebody crossed them, they shot them. Remember, Al Capone was ultimately convicted of a nonviolent offense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. So uh, you know this. This is this is the reality of, of criminal justice enforcement in the United States, right? And especially with drug enforcement, it has always been seen as a pretextual attack on violent crime precisely because policymakers and law enforcement officers recognize the overlap between violent criminals and drug criminals. Well, well, we're talking to Rafael Mongual. He's a deputy director of legal policy at the Manhattan Institute. You should check out his piece. Where can they see this piece? City Journal, right, is where I found this? Uh, yep, yep. You can get it online, city-journal.org. Um, and the title of the piece is Everything You Don't Know About Mass Incarceration. And believe me, there's a lot of things that most people don't know, but they think they do. Now, you, you mentioned the 1994 crime bill, and Joe Biden uh, has been get, getting... Uh, He's been getting beaten up by the other Democrats for having right. been in favor of it. Uh, first of all, he's so he's now apologizing for it. But there are other yes, yes. there are other Democrats out there like Kamala Harris and uh, Cory Booker who are also having to explain a change in attitude, aren't they? Oh, that's right. I mean, Kamala Harris, you know, has had her history uh, as a prosecutor in California thrown back at her face, you know, for for supporting sort of, quote unquote, tough on crime measures um, during her time as a law enforcement officer. I think Reason Magazine uh, published a piece calling her a cop who wants to be president as if it was a bad thing to be a cop. Um, you know, and Cory Booker, too, the New York Times hit him a little bit for his, uh, you know, role as mayor. And this came up last night during the debates, um, you know, for hiring uh, Gary McCarthy from the NYPD, who eventually went on to Chicago and, you know, supporting a police department that, you know, at least according to the ACLU in Newark, uh, you know, was engaged in, in, in really overly aggressive policing. And so, you know, it, it, this has become one of these issues where it really is a race to the bottom and everyone is, uh, you know, hitting everyone from all sides. And uh, it's a really good pandering issue, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, it really, really is. I mean, you know, again, this has been so closely tied, you know, to the race issue, unfortunately. Um, 
And you know, the, the, the most frustrating part about that really has been the focus on enforcement disparities, right? I mean, you heard a lot of this, you know, during the presidential debates, and, and you see a lot of it in the commentary where people will focus on the disparities, the racial disparities in enforcement data, but what they often ignore are the racial disparities in victimization rates, right? And so when you consider the possibility that some of these policies they're promoting are going to be associated with crime increases, what often gets left out of the conversation is that the people who are going to, you know, be hit hardest by those crime increases are precisely the communities that people like Cory Booker and Kamala Harris say that they're for. Yeah, it's uh, black neighborhoods are going to be hit the most because that's where these guys are, are uh, who are getting out are going to head as soon as they get out, right? That's exactly right. I mean, look, black men are about 7% of the national population, uh, but in 2017 constituted close to 50% of murder victims. Um, that, wow. That's a very stark racial disparity. It really, really is. And so, you know, for for those who say that tough on crime policies and, you know, more aggressive enforcement practices are racist, I really think they ought to reconsider that in light of that data. Um, so what are the odds that the guys in for drug violations who will be um, released will be back in prison soon? Well, the, the, the national uh, overall recidivism rate for state prisoners is 83% over nine years, which is, which is really incredible. 83%? of all state prisoners will, go, will, will be rearrested at some point in the nine years following their release. Wow. This is uh, pursuant to a, a Bureau of Justice Statistics study that uh, it was a longitudinal study that followed more than 400,000 released state prisoners. Um, uh, for for nine years after their release in 2005, and those prisoners were released across 30 states. And drug offenders, you know, have a really significant uh, rate of recidivism, including for violent recidivism. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I think it was something like 45 percent of uh, the people who were released primarily for drug offenses went on to get rearrested for a violent offense. So. It's, uh, it's, it's not an insignificant number. And again, I would just point back to the data out of Baltimore, which has been seeing a really just, you know, terrible uptick in violent crime, that in 2017, 70% of identified murder suspects had a prior record for a drug offense. Well, wow. I'm old, and so I actually uh, remember uh, hearing about guys that I knew that actually went to jail, not necessarily prison, but but they yeah. they did jail time for possession of a little bit of marijuana, and if if you listen to some of the stuff that's out there now, you get the impression that there are just thousands of people in there who either you know got caught with a, a bag of weed or they or they sold a, a small amount of marijuana to somebody and you know they're stuck in there for ten years or whenever those um, mandatory sentences were way back then, uh, and they're still languishing in prison. But that's a that's not happening, is it? No, not at all. I mean, even in New York City, you know, where the NYPD has been hit for disparate marijuana enforcement, I think you can count the people in Rikers Island for uh, marijuana possession on one hand on any given day, right? And then the, the, the state prison population, the state-based prison population, we've got less than 3% of uh, state prisoners in for drug possession. I was... Um, and Go ahead, sorry. The, the, yeah, the other, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind with that too is that this, the data on, on, on the conviction records that we see in, in, in prison population offense profiles is driven by the most, the, the offense for which they're serving the most time, right? So you can get, let's say, five years for, you know, a kilo of cocaine and let's say only two years for having a gun on you when you sold that cocaine to an undercover cop, you're mm-hmm. still going to be listed as primarily a drug offender, even though you have the gun on you. That's one. Number two is that a lot of drug offenders, people don't, they tend to forget, pled down, right? So the, the, the thing that shows up on their conviction record often understates the crime that they actually committed because as we know, 98% of criminal cases about uh, end up uh, being resolved through a plea bargain and not a trial, right? So the vast majority of people in prison uh, are serving time for, you know, offenses on a, on, on a conviction record that, that vastly understates what they actually did. And I was uh, surprised to see how short the average sentence is for rape and sexual assault. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got about close to 60% of people in prison for rape slash sexual assault serving less than five years of their sentence. I mean, so they may get sentenced to more time, but in terms of how long they actually serve behind bars, 
the numbers are incredibly low. Even 20% of murderers get out within five years of, of their prison uh, incarceration. Now, what, what, right? what kind of a murder are we talking about that gets out in five years? I mean, it's not, obviously it's not a premeditated first degree, but who's getting out? Maybe somebody who got in a gunfight and killed somebody? or I mean, who gets out in five years? It, it ranges. I mean, it ranges from even people who did commit first-degree murder. In some cases, I imagine if they cooperate enough, for example, in, a, in an ongoing investigation, that they might be able to cut some time off their prison sentence. Also, people who are in for felony murder, which is, uh, you know, a charge that results from a death that occurred during the course of a felony commission. So, for example, if you rob a bank and you point a gun in the teller's face, you may not shoot the teller, but if you give the teller a heart attack and, and he dies from that heart attack, you get charged with felony murder. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, these are very serious offenses, um, you know, that obviously led to the ending of a life, and I think the majority of the American public would agree that, uh, you know, less than five years in prison is is not uh, inadequate punishment if you're, if you're talking about retribution. Um, and when these people get out, we know that the data say that they're going to reoffend most likely, which means that there's also a public safety rationale. So you could make a case, and you, you have made the case in your piece here, and we're talking to Rafael Mongual, Deputy Director of Legal Policy at the Manhattan Institute. You've made the case in your piece that uh, that uh, there's a uh, – you, know, you could say that there are, there are people who are not spending enough time in prison. That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, right now it, it seems to be sort of conventional wisdom that what we need is to decarcerate, which is to say that we need to reduce prison terms and reduce the number of people landing behind bars. But I would say that at least in certain jurisdictions around the country, we actually need the opposite, right? I mean, if you look at Baltimore, for example, which is recently engaged in, in a rapid rate of decarceration. I mean, between 2016 and 2017, they cut their prison population by 10% in Maryland. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big number in yeah, how's that year working out? year. It's not working out very well, right? I mean, uh, you know, their, their, their crime, violent crime uptick has been making national news right. for quite some time. Um, you know, so again, I mean, this is just goes to show you that the, you know, the communities that are, that are going to suffer the brunt of any crime increases that are attributable to decarceration are often going to be communities that are already vulnerable and suffering. Um, we've got about two minutes left here, and I'm up against a hard break, Raphael, so I'm finishing up here. But uh, the Cut 50 initiative sounds like a dumb idea, uh, and from reading your piece, I think it is. Yeah, no, it really is kind of... Uh, you know, uh, whose idea is that? Of, well, Van Jones is, is a co-founder of the the hashtag Cut Fifty Initiative, and he, you know, of course, it's a noted CNN commentator, mm, former Marxist. Obama administration official, and um, he's been very vocal, uh, you know, in support of criminal justice reform around the country. Was you know, I think at the signing ceremony for the First Step Act, um, and you know, his his view is not all that unusual these days, unfortunately. Right? This is. This is what, uh, you know, my piece is really trying to respond to. It's these calls not for marginal reforms, of, you know, to, to identify the small number of people whose incarceration no longer serves a legitimate penological end, but to respond to these kind of far-reaching uh, reformers who want to radically reduce the number he of people incarcerated. He wants to cut, just cut it 50%, yeah. right? Yeah, no, I mean, to me, that's just a recipe for disaster. Wow. I got a, a less than a minute left. Uh, last thing: How many violent criminals get away with it in America these days? Oh, the majority, the majority of them, right? I mean, the FBI reports on what they call clearance statistics every year, and uh, even though there are over a million violent index crimes committed on a yearly basis, less than half of those crimes lead to an arrest. Wow. Hey. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, take that. So take those numbers, you know, into consideration when you look at overall prison populations and know that there's a significant number of criminals walking the street. Already. Why add to them? Rafael, I'm out of time. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, that's Rafael Monguel, Deputy Director of Legal Policy at Manhattan Institute, and we will be right back. (laughs) 
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump says the U.S. will apply a new tariff on China next month. It's another jump in the trade war between the world's two biggest economies. The president says slow-moving negotiations will continue, but starting September 1st, the U.S. will hit China with a new 10% tariff on about $300 billion in goods. He announced the move on Twitter while criticizing Beijing for not making good on promises to stop fentanyl sales to the U.S. and to buy more farm goods. Stocks tumbled fast, with the Dow going from up nearly 300 to down nearly 200 soon after the tweets. Sagar Magani at the White House. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 280 points. The Nasdaq dropped 64. The S&P lower by 26. Crude oil dropped $4.63 to 53.95 a barrel. This is SRN News. Driving is freedom. The freedom to keep moving, to control your destiny, and to choose your path. And now, that freedom fits in the palm of your hand. It's called Ford Pass, the only app that gives you roadside assistance. Ford Pass rewards, and now when you buy or lease a new Ford, earn points you can use toward flexible complementary maintenance that gives you, well, more freedom. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving, built Ford proud. Visit your participating Ford dealership to find out about getting flexible complimentary maintenance when you buy or lease a new Ford and sign up for rewards. Roadside assistance is included for certain Ford owners and available to everyone for a per-service fee. Ford reserves the right to change program details without obligations. Visit your participating dealer or FordPassRewards.com for program rules and restrictions. Ford Pass, compatible with select smartphone platforms, is available via a download. Dr. Sebastian Gorka makes a strong case for the wall. A woman and her 11-year-old daughter and 5-year-old son are dead. Why? Because the Democrats refuse to provide you with the security that we all must have by rights. Build the wall. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer. Are you worried that the next market downturn could rob you of your wealth and your security? Are you concerned that your lifetime may last longer than your life savings? You don't have to be. For over 30 years, Gary Hunt has advocated for strong retirement principles, helping families in Allegheny and Westmoreland generate more income while protecting their retirement funds. And Gary now offers retirement-minded savers and investors a free book so you can better understand what it takes to structure a more stable, secure, and confident retirement. Call Gary Hunt and request your copy of Income Allocation. 844-366-HUNT. That's 844-366-4. 868. Community Bank. City Mission. Number One Cochrane. Highmark Stadium. Peters Township Community Center. Angelo's Restaurant. What do all these businesses have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for business. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Registrations for our annual Gold Summit have exploded. The live event is now sold out. Less than 200 streaming tickets remain. I'm Adam Barada, author of the national bestseller, Gold is a Better Way. You can join me for our annual Gold Summit titled The Great Devaluation. Learn why Donald Trump's attack on the Federal Reserve has sparked another gold boom. I'm certain you're going to see gold prices above $2,000 before the next election. I'm going to explain it all on August 14th. You've never seen anything like the coming bull market. Come to this event to find out why. Text the words Gold Summit to 49776 to get your free ticket. This event is for serious investors with over $100,000 in an IRA. If that's you, don't miss this opportunity to stream it live for free. Text the words Gold Summit to 49776. That's the words Gold Summit to 49776. You cannot afford to miss this event. Text the words Gold Summit to 49776. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Parkway East, that is stacking up on the outbound side. Boulevard of the Allies out to Edgewood, Swissvale. Pretty typical volume inbound. Outbound Parkway West delays Roslyn Farms Road to Campbell's Run Road. Northbound 79 jam up from 60 at the Grand Avenue. There's a crash off to the shoulder. And we're also looking busy outbound 28 Veterans Bridge to the Highland Park Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. 
Clear skies for the night tonight, heading down to a low of 63. Partly sunny skies tomorrow. A few spots will see an afternoon shower or thunderstorm, a high of 84. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy skies, a low again of 63. And for both that Saturday and Sunday, partly sunny and warm with a high both days of 84. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Jake Soja. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, people not in the Democrat Party are uh, calling Donald Trump a genius for, uh, for getting people to defend Baltimore, which a lot of people have been doing since uh, he said it was rat infested and no human would want to live there. He, of course, was talking about certain sections of Baltimore. Ellie Bufkin is a reporter for the Washington Examiner. She's also a senior contributor at The Federalist, and, and she's here to defend Baltimore. It's her hometown, isn't it, Ellie? Uh, it sure is, John. Uh, I lived there for many, many happy years. And thanks for being here, by the way. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Uh, the headline of your piece is, Baltimore's homicide rate is so high. And by the way, before I get to this, I have to say, because I was planning on asking you this first, but I just popped on the Drudge Report. And the headline is, Representative Elijah Cummings' Baltimore Home Burglarized, police say. Did you know know that? Yes, I actually have the the benefit of working in a breaking newsroom, so Uh, I I got my finger on the pulse. But uh, yes, I did see that story uh, just a little while ago. (laughs) I guess you don't want to say it's funny. I mean, I don't want to see anybody's home burglarized, but I'm sorry, but it's uh, as ironic fit here. It, I think so. Uh, yeah. The other thing to note is before any you know false news starts spreading, this burglary actually happened on Saturday yeah. about 90 minutes before President Trump sent out the tweet about Baltimore uh, that started this kind yeah. of whole thing. That is so, funny. You don't think that somebody <laughs> yeah. tipped off the president that that is you know that this guy's house no. was burned? I don't think so. No. Well, anyway, the headline of your piece is uh, Baltimore's homicide rate is so high residents could claim U.S. asylum uh, if they weren't Americans. So you recognize your hometown has a problem. Absolutely. And I certainly did while I was living there as well. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I no longer live there. Um, But, uh, you know, I think it's just one of the things it it needs to have a light shown on it no matter where it comes from. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, And this deflection that I've been feeling of you know, these comments are negative, these comments are racist, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, but that doesn't stop the fact uh, that there is a, you know, 500, you know, rate of homicide every year. Um, We're talking about losing citizens at a a rate that is uh, catastrophic. It's a war zone. I mean, really, it's not short of that. And then that's actually fact. That wasn't just a, you know, a a signal in the headline. That's true. Right. The numbers are there. Yeah. Yeah. But we start talking about crime in Mexico. We talk about crime in Guatemala in Venezuela and where people are coming from at our southern border. And it's actually worse just 40 miles south of the capital of this nation. And, you know, to me, I think it's really, really important to discuss that. So I'm glad that we're having the conversation. Yeah. And so your your hometown is a rat infested mess. So are other cities, by the way. But sure. but but Baltimore apparently makes up, according to your story, it makes up for having a large number of rats by having mm-hmm. especially large rats. <laughs> <laughs> large, brave rats. This is, you know, I, again, spent some time in New York as well. And, you know, I saw rats, of course, you know, there's lots of jokes about rats there. But, you know, they're in the subway tracks. They scatter when you turn the lights on. That's not the case in Baltimore. They they know that that's their turf and that you are going to be scared of them, and they just push through. They want something, they're going to get it. And I think that, you know, contributes to their healthy size as well. Uh, well but there's really nothing, nothing like it that I've experienced personally. So you've, you would actually say that they're the, the biggest rats you've ever seen? That is what I say. Yeah, it yeah. is. I've been in a lot of major cities. I've traveled yeah. abroad, and I've never seen uh, any specimen like the ones that I've seen in Baltimore. <laughs> That's that's just. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a, an expert on rats, but uh, my guess is that they only get that big by getting a lot to eat. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. That, physiologically, that's what makes sense to me too. Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure how that started. I know all the rats kind of in waterfront towns. It's particularly bad. Uh, you know, because that's how they yeah. you know, originally got there. They you know snuck on board ships hundreds of years ago. Um, and uh, and they really made a home in Baltimore. And, you know, uh, the joking aside, there's so much uh, decrepitude in the city from people fleeing. 
um, I mentioned in my article, it built up really quickly, you know, in the mid-century when there was a lot of uh, people moving into Baltimore because the industry was so good. And then when that fell flat and uh, poverty hit the city, and honestly, it is, co- it, it is in line with when Democrats started ruling that city as a one-party system. Yeah. Um, the, the housing market fell apart. Uh, there's, there's entire city blocks that are completely abandoned. The windows and doors are boarded up. Like I mentioned in my article, there's literally blue lights that are posted on these blocks to warn people not to go there because it's so dangerous. And what kind of American city oh. tells people to literally not go places? It's really heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't travel much uh, like, as much as I used to. I travel very little, actually. But, um, but I've been to all the major cities. I don't remember ever being in one where there that where I where someone said, "Don't go where the blank light is." You know, blue light, red right. light. Uh, that seems to be a pretty uh, unique thing. I, that's that's very strange. Yeah, it's uh, it's really, really sad. And it's one of those things, too, that we can kind of almost look at it through the lens of, of television or through a screen because it got made famous by shows like Homicide in the 90s and then The Wire, you know, in the early 2000s. Uh, and then when people ride from D.C. to New York on the Acela train, they always drive through West Baltimore on that train, and you can see it. And almost everyone's like, wow, but it, it's almost like it's not really real because you're only seeing it through the safety of a train where nothing's going to happen to you. So it's just it's such a, a removal from reality, no matter how close it actually is to where we're currently well, living. Well, how many how many uh, neighborhoods have blue lights? I mean, how how widespread is that is that part of it? Well, what's interesting about that is Baltimore is unique in the sense that it's it's not just. I mean, certainly there's regions of the city that are more dangerous than others, but it's also a complete patchwork neighborhood system. So you can have neighborhoods that are right next to thriving neighborhoods that are, you know, huge tourist attractions that are right next to places that are full of, you know, drugs and gang violence. And they will be, you know, a couple more blocks over, and it's another, you know, like Little Italy or something mm-hmm. that's, you know, super touristy. So you have to really keep on your toes if you're not completely familiar with where you are. So uh, you, this is not a city where you want to, like, walk around after the ball game and, you know, yeah. explore. You know, you get in a cab, you go to your hotel, you ask the concierge exactly where to go. <laughs> wow. So you, so you could actually be walk, going, what you think, if you're visiting from another city and you, you're in a nice neighborhood and you decide to go for a walk and you go one block too far, you're in big trouble. That's right. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think it's, you know, one of the things I've been very lucky personally, I was never attacked, but I also learned to be extremely cautious. I never, you know, worked in restaurants for a long time. I never left a restaurant alone. I always had someone with me. Wow. I always spent that extra few bucks on a cab, you know, if I if I thought that there was any chance that I was going to be in harm's way. And that's not enough to save people a lot of times, to be honest. I know people that have been attacked in broad daylight, you know, just outside of their apartment. But, you know, it's one of those things you, you have to stay on your toes no matter who you are. We're talking to Ellie Bufkin. She's a senior contributor for The Federalist and also a reporter at The Washington Examiner. And uh, her hometown is Baltimore. And she wrote a piece today about it. Um, so um, you say that Baltimore, you were talking about the, the the way that's kind of patchwork neighborhoods. But you also point out that it's a very much a segregated city. I think mm-hmm. even people have said for a long time that Pittsburgh um, is still very much a segregated city because there still are uh, black neighborhoods and neighborhoods where there aren't very many blacks, and I, but you, you say it's more more pronounced than that. Yeah, I you know, and I don't have compared to the other cities I've lived in. I'm sure there's other cities where that's you know the case, and I certainly heard. Yeah. Um, but everywhere else I've lived has been a lot more progressive than that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've lived in Los Angeles, New York, and now in DC, and I find that like you know the neighborhoods that used to be oh that was a you know a really really black neighborhood, and you know yeah. that was a terrible thing to say and think like well, why would we relegate you know one race to a place that to me is you know what we fought against in the in the 60s our civil rights leaders right in baltimore it's just expected i mean there's no way that people would move to the city and consider you know any neighborhood except maybe five or six out of the entire city uh, that they don't come from there so it's one thing to defend uh, your hometown and then you're doing that i i don't uh i don't it's not hard to understand at all but it's another to ignore the obvious problems, and the Democrats seem to want to ignore what has caused the problems, which is mostly them. Right, and that's what I see too. You know, and again, being 
you know, more of a conservative person in a very democratically led city for a number of years, it's frustrating. And it really discourages people from wanting to participate in politics. Another thing that's wrong in Baltimore is that corruption is widespread and it's historic. It's, you know, something that happens at every level of office and in the police department and has been happening for years with no correction. So when the president goes after something like, you know, Representative Cummings, uh, who's, you know, congressional district includes Baltimore and, you know, the backlash that he gets is, oh, well, you know, he's a congress, you know, a congressperson in Washington. He's not in charge of the day-to-day politics of Baltimore, but he is responsible for what happens in that city and the leadership. So all of these things, you know, that happen, these mayors that get arrested for fraud, these mayors that steal from needy families, this is something that the people of Baltimore know is happening. And yet they still continue to go to the ballot box and vote for them because they're shamed into voting for anybody else. You know, they're yeah. told you have to vote for this person who's historically supposed to be in this office uh, because you're, you know, a minority person and you have to vote for this person. And you can't vote for someone who aligns themselves with a conservative because they're all racist. And they don't want anyone to think any differently than that, because that's dangerous. Because like a lot of cities with large minority populations, the threat of dissenting thought is what really scares people. But they succeed. The voter turnouts are very low, but they win by landslides every time. Well, just if it makes you feel any better, uh, here in Pittsburgh, uh, I think uh, we haven't had a a Republican mayor for over 80 years. And um, if if. Thomas Jefferson came back from the dead and ran against Vladimir Putin uh, as a Democrat, and Jefferson was a Republican. Putin wins, and it's not close. I'm not kidding you. It doesn't matter who. I, I don't doubt you for a second, and I completely agree that that would happen in Baltimore as well. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's literally what Nancy Pelosi said about, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's district in New York. You put a D on a glass of water, it'll win the office. They yeah. don't care about substance. They care about what they know. They know one word. They know Democrat. And they don't care that it's that party that's, that's forcing them to remain held to the government for everything that they do, that it's robbing their school systems, that it's taxing them to death, that it's not providing them anything back. And they literally have politicians pocketing government money and barely being prosecuted for it. There was another there was a mayor who was convicted of fraud who ran again and got 10,000 votes when she became (laughs) eligible. That's crazy to me. How could anybody vote for someone who admitted to and was convicted of stealing from her constituents? But that's where they are right now. And that's what's so uh, mind-bending and frustrating uh, about loving that city so much, uh, because I want it to get better. But it's, it's hard to see the path forward. And I've been there many times, and I, I, and I, when I went there, I stayed in a hotel down near the harbor front, and and sure. you know, and I, I was covering sports. I, w- I was at the stadium and the and the at uh, Camden Yards, and you know, uh, so I, I didn't see, I didn't spend a lot of time walking around the city, but it's a beautiful sure. place to go if you go go yeah. to the right places. Uh, and it's a shame because it is a beautiful place to go. It would be a great place to live if if not for people getting murdered every twenty minutes. Exactly. And and there's the pervasive violence. I mean, when I lived there, we didn't consider, and then I left maybe eight years ago, we yeah. didn't consider it to be violent necessarily because you live, when I lived in South Point, which is a very touristy town, uh-huh. uh, part of town. Uh, there's other, like Federal Hill, which is where kind of, you know, the more successful people live. And then there's a couple other neighborhoods that are similar to that. And our consideration is like, well, you just don't leave those neighborhoods and you're fine. But the truth is that people do leave their neighborhoods, they have to, and other people leave their confines that, you know, we've relegated these people who are living in poverty, they come out, they live violent lifestyles, and it spreads. Uh, And I know a lot of people that have been just randomly attacked or mugged or attacked for no reason, uh, you know, in all kinds of parts of the city. So danger is never going to be sequestered to one location or another. You can never guarantee with crime rates like that, that you will not be affected by it. So I have about a minute left, Ellie. Um, sure. What what um, what will what can any good come out of what uh, Donald Trump has said, or is it just going to be turned against him and he's a racist and it'll just be business as usual? Well, I tell you what, John, it's hard to have these conversations because so many people have just already closed the case on this uh, that they hate Trump, they think he's a racist, and what he said was racist, and that's it for them. 
They think that everything he did was very harmful for the city uh, and that this isn't him shining a light on it. It's him using you know, racial rhetoric uh, and trying to be divisive. Uh, and he's a white supremacist. I actually got into a Twitter conversation with David Simon today, who was the creator of The Wire and wrote uh, Homicide, yeah. uh, the book about his experience as a, as a reporter and as a police officer. Uh, I was a big fan of his. I still really am. Uh, he, he was very angry about my piece, very angry that I write for the Federalists. Uh, and, and that I defended something that the president said, and we didn't really end up having a very productive talk. Uh, but it was good that I, I found that I was being effective, that I was causing a conversation. So to me, that is, uh, that is positive news, because there is conversation happening about Baltimore outside of Baltimore. And People Dave, care and, about that city. And David yeah. Simon would vote for Vladimir Putin if, he, if he's running against <laughs> Thomas Jefferson in Baltimore, wouldn't he? Well, I'm not going to go on record and say that, that David Simon would vote for Putin. Uh, but I mean, he's, <laughs> but I know he's a, he would vote for the Democrat. Yeah, he he's a hardcore Democrat. Democrat. And yeah. see, so he, he refuses to look at them as the problem. That's, I saw that uh, little battle you had. He blocked you, didn't he? Well, he did, and then he unblocked me, and, and that's when we ended up having uh, a little talk about it. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it is one of those things with Twitter, and people on the Internet are always so angry. Right. You know, I told him as well, when I worked in, uh, in Baltimore as a younger person, I uh, I actually served him at a restaurant several <laughs> times, and he was incredibly kind. Oh, that's fun nice. and funny, and you know mm-hmm. he, he accepted my compliments about you know his work. Um, so you know I kind of reminded him of that on Twitter. He's just like, well, I always tip well, but you know I'm very angry. I'm like, okay, you know I I appreciate that he unblocked me, and you know it was a little step maybe towards civility, even if he didn't intend it that way. So. Again, I think it's positive. Any attention that this city can get, any care that this city can get. Right. And the other point is that I want to make is liberals are not the only people that care about poverty-stricken cities in the United States. I care a lot. That's one of the reasons I am a conservative, because I believe in economic freedom. Mm-hmm. And so that is one of the things that I really want to share with people. You don't have to vote Democrat. Look at some of the things that you know capitalism can, can cure. Look into it. Ask questions. We're nice. Well, yeah, we Ellie, want to help. Ellie, you're making way too much sense, and, and I'm out of time. So cut it out, okay. will you? Well, always good to have you on. I'll have you on again. Thanks. Thank you, John. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one. All right, you too. And we'll be right back. Good morning. Miracle League of Moons, Mike McGulloch joins us. Mike, how's the new field house coming? The building permit was issued. We have the majority of the earthwork done, and they should be pouring foundation pads in the restrooms over the next week or two. Those restrooms are really going to make a big difference for athletes and special needs, aren't they? The ability to be able to use a restroom has always been difficult. You see how little space there is or little accommodations are made for individuals with disabilities, but it's something that we can make a little bit easier for everybody. From the field house to the ball field to the playground, it's really going to be state-of-the-art. It'll be updated with ramping systems and different things so that individuals that have problems with their mobility will be able to get to the same spots that everyone else that easily can get to. And every dollar you give goes directly to the project. Our board is funding all the administrative costs, so any donation from anyone goes directly to the construction of the field. Let's make miracles happen. Give today at miraclesinmoon.org slash donate. Sponsored by Robinson Town Center, a Zamias Properties entity. Recent storms have done a number on Pittsburgh homes and businesses. This is John Steigerwald. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. All you have to do is visit windowsrspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. Why pay twice as much with other companies? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsrspittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrspittsburgh.com. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday right here on the John Steigerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. What is a warrior? At Portersville Christian School, a warrior is more than a team name. 
Here, at their fully accredited K-12 grade Christian school, just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, a warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world. A warrior is challenged to learn as they develop a strong work ethic, achieve academic excellence, and cultivate a lifelong love of learning. And a warrior is trained to lead through Christian character and integrity so they can impact the world for Christ by their example wherever God calls them. So, are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School, a fully accredited K-12 grade Christian school just 15 minutes north of Cranberry where warriors are made at OurPCS.org. That's O-U-R-P-C-S dot org. You started your business with nothing but a great big idea. They told you it couldn't be done, but that just made you work harder to prove them wrong. Now look at you, ready to take on the world. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South gets where you're coming from when they said they wanted to create great big graphics for great big ideas like yours in less time than anyone else. They were told it couldn't be done. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South just smiled and said, oh yeah, watch us. When you need a large format printing partner who can provide high quality visual graphics in stunning detail, from trade show displays to outdoor signs, 3M brand vehicle wrap for your fleet, to window graphics, banners, and decals. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South can handle most jobs in two days or less and can roll with last-minute change-ups without breaking a sweat. Who says it can't be done? For a free quote, visit speedpropghsouth.com. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. I'm sorry, I don't want to see anybody's house get burglarized, but it's funny that Elijah Cummings' house was burglarized Saturday. It was it actually happened before Trump came out with a statement. And here's what Elijah said in a tweet today. I visited a packed house at Stadium Place today to provide the seniors there with a legislative update and to talk about my work in Congress. We talked about what matters to them, and they encouraged me to keep doing my job and continue fighting for them in Washington. He's been there for a 100 years, and guess what? Things keep keep getting worse. Here's an idea for the people in Baltimore. Just a wild, crazy idea. Try somebody else. Try a different party. Try something different. Try it. See if you like it. Bye. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.